the best and the worst of 90s teen horror. I'm Heather Parry, uh, wrapped in a curtain, and <laughs> with me is my co-host Kirsty Logan! Yay! Episode one! It's season eight, Heather. It's too much. It's too fucking much. It's seven seasons too much. It's That's a lot. <laughs> it really is. I was just thinking about when we started, and bet you never thought. I was so young then. Well, how naive we were. <laughs> how simple life was. Oh, Rosie's immediately just fucked off. Bye. She's just going to stand by that door you, now being like, can someone allow me out? I've had enough. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> don't, I'm doing this again. Here's why she doesn't want it. Because we're talking about the Fear Street movie. <gasps> number one, 1994. Well, actually, we should say what we're doing overall. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, uh, in case you aren't following us on Twitter, what are you doing? Um, I mean, if you're off Twitter, good life choice. Yeah, don't be on Twitter, burn Twitter. We haven't made that life choice yet, but maybe it'll come. <laughs> um, we, I'm about to have like two weeks of not being on it, hopefully. And I'm really you to will it. be on it. I'm really trying not to be one of those person, people that has to announce. One of those persons. One of those persons. <laughs> those people are like, I'm not going to be on Twitter for the next 24 hours, so if anyone needs me. And I'm always like, fuck off. Who fucking like, nobody needs, needs your you. tweets? Anyway, um, if you're not following us on Twitter... You may not know that this season is going to be all Fear Street all the time. Yes. It's just constantly <laughs> wired to my brain. Because I'm angry at Heather for unknown reasons. I, I've hurt you. And, and wanted to how, inflict it on her. This is how you choose to process that. Yep. So, uh, ten episodes of Robots Dying. And more, in fact, because we're doing it on the Patreon as well. We're doing <laughs> God, the yeah. sort of Fear Street prequels, House of Evil. Yeah. And I'm on the... On the Patreon, which you can join, and I'll tell, we'll tell you at the end how to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we want to say thanks to our Patreons for sticking with us, because we haven't had any um, main, mainstream? Main, main content. Main, on main content <laughs> for a while. We've been maintaining the Patreon every month, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, and all the people that aren't on Patreon, just give them a course, fuck, still. Yeah. I can't like... believe you're still here. <laughs> the amount of people, every time I'm like, we're doing a new season, and people go oh my god i'm like really <laughs> do you, you still want to listen to this you're not sick of us our literal partners who love us are sick of us <laughs> i'm sick of us <laughs> i can't listen to my own voice anymore honestly oh it's too much i, I used to listen back but now i'm like i hear me all the time maybe it's because i'm used to i'm sick of seeing my own face as well because of zoom oh, i yeah. can never want to see a mirror <laughs> I've started specifically asking people, and I fucking hate phone calls, Mm -hmm. but I've started to be like, can we have a phone call instead, because I can't, I just can't go on Zoom anymore. (laughs) The one difference, like, of that is yesterday I had, um, like, a Zoom mentoring meeting with someone, and I looked great. (laughs) I don't know if I found just good natural lighting. Good lighting. They got a haircut, I was like, look at me. Oh, all right. I don't think I've ever had that experience. (laughs) No, I definitely haven't. (laughs) Uh, We've done the usual thing. If you have your Teenage Green bingo card... And you have um, one of the boxes is introduce the episode and then waffle about <laughs> shite for ten minutes. You can just tick that off right now. <laughs> well, Kirsty, speaking of bingo cards, oh yeah, don't you have a new bingo card for us? I do have a new bingo card. So I have created an R.L. Stein bingo card. Oh dear. I don't know how relevant it's going to be in this film because he did not write this film. However, when we get onto the books, we'll be coming back to it. 
So you can make a bingo card if you want, or you can just play along. So here's what we've got. Number one, jump scares. Two, bland menacing. Three, girls fighting over a basic dude. Four, white blonde hair. Five, pranks or jokes. Six, a redhead little brother. Seven, animal cruelty. Eight, fat shaming. Nine, white supremacy. Ten, references to Coca-Cola, the Beatles, Stephen King, or a sports ball hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see how we go with them. You want to make a card? You want to just do it in your head? Do it, Do what you want to do. <laughs> we support you. And we, I was just thinking we can't start with the usual cover. No, we can't. Can we? In fact, so, we should tell people that what's happened here is that we somehow won a prize. Um, and the prize was to see the Fear Street film early. Although that's irrelevant because it's been on by the time that we're going to release this. Yes, but on oh, the time I of see. recording, I see, I see. we have seen it before you guys. So we, we have advanced information. We're just sharing it in a tardy manner. <laughs> so it's useless to everyone. I prefer to think of it as allowing other people to catch up. Oh, that's good. I like that. But it means that we, like, you know, maybe there's like a, if you go and see it in the cinema... You'll have like a title, like I don't know. I don't post think it's only it. the cinema. Live... It's only on Netflix. Oh, yeah, of course. Because we're in twenty twenty one now. Of course, yeah, because it's not nineteen eighty two. Was there a poster? Do you know? I don't even know. But I, I've done an alternative. So usually okay. we do the cover and the first. We read the first page. Mm-hmm. So what I've decided to do instead is a sort of dramatic, not quite a reenactment, a dramatic summing up <laughs> of the opening few minutes of the film. Can't wait. <laughs> well, my amdram is coming, <laughs> it's coming out now. Getting my middle class <clears throat> legs on for this. Okay, here we go. We open in Shady Side Mall with a fancy lady in a bookshop buying a trash book for her daughter. It's a Robot Stein book, except it's not. He's called Robert Lawrence. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, right. <gasps> but it's th- the wrong number, isn't it? Yes from Fair Street, which we'll be doing which later in the doing, series. Which we're doing, yes. But the bookseller is young and cool and she loves Robot, or Robert Lawrence. She's wearing a floral dress over a fishnet top. Her name is Heather. <gasps> no, not that one. <laughs> I wouldn't wear that now. Oh, I would. Maybe not the fishnet top. Cut two. Closer by Nine Inch Nails. The bookshop is closing. Everything is neon lit. So essentially they're ticking all those older millennial boxes. All the <laughs> shit we love. <laughs> Oh my god, Nine Inch Nails. Neon, floral dress. I love it. (laughs) It me. (laughs) The phone rings. It's Ryan, who also works at the mall. Jump scare! It's the janitor. Jump scare! It's Ryan, with a blow-up doll. Okay. (laughs) They have some bants. Back in the bookshop, Heather is reshelving a Jackie Collins display. Love. Yes. When a book mysteriously falls to the ground off-camera. There's a figure in the background, but she doesn't see it. Are you ticking off all your horror movie cliches right now? <laughs> Heather wanders the empty shop, calling out, Hello? Another book falls to the ground. She's like, All right, asshole. Something, I'm paraphrasing here. You've frightened me. You can come on out now. But nobody does. But then, it's a cloaked figure with a knife. He stabs her. No, he stabs the book she's holding. Oh, that was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it gets worse. There's a chase sequence through the inexplicably now blacklit mall. Heather calls 911 from a landline. <laughs> Do the youths know a landline? <laughs> but she does. Jump scare! It's a fake skeleton face. No, it's not! It's the killer with the skeleton mask on! He stabs 
the inflatable doll. <laughs> There's a comedy noise. Heather runs. It's basically just like the opening scene of Scream, except not as good. I thought it was very screamish as that, well. That was not us farting, that was my wife opening the door <laughs> in a squeaky way. The figure stabs Heather. She pulls off his mask. <gasps> it's Ryan. But then Paul Blart Molecop appears. <laughs> it's not really Paul Blart Molecop. <laughs> Just generic Molecop appears and shoots Ryan. Roll credits. Was that good? That was like really that. good. Can I just explain <laughs> my my ejaculation there? So our friend, um, brilliant poet uh, Andrew Blair, once did a entire performance on Paul Blart Molecop, which was just him like say moving the syllables around, right? Just the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. And I you just, go on about it all the time. I just thought it was so funny, and it was like in this little bookshop. Was it, was it in Lighthouse in Edinburgh? Maybe I don't think it was there. You've just told me about it. It was so good, and I think everyone else in the room just didn't really know how to respond so there was just me sitting in the chair like sniggering to myself and the whole rest of the room was just listening politely obviously looking at me like what's wrong with her <laughs> i happen anyway. to know that he has just uh, written a very brilliant and weird collection on that theme so yes. i really hope it comes out yeah it's like a paul block Moorcock chat book or something <laughs> he's like in conversation with the concept of paul block Moorcock, i think anyway <laughs> Okay, are you ready to get into the meat of the film? Wait, can I first oh, say yeah. that as uh, as people who had an exclusive access... Oh, do you know what we should have said? If you haven't seen this yet and you don't want it spoiled, we're going to spoil the fuck out of it. So... Oh yeah, completely, of yeah. course we are. Okay. Yeah, come on. Uh, so we had like a little pre... Maybe, I don't know, maybe people will get this too, but we had little like Zoom recordings of like this cast going, we had a great time at making this, which is meant to emotionally manipulate you and it worked on me but, completely. But then also, you haven't seen the film yet, so you don't know who they are, you don't so know they, they are. mean nothing to you. It is really They're weird. just random people. But then there's Robot Stein at the end, looking only half alive and so uninterested. I mean, he's an old man now. <laughs> now I feel bad that we slag him off so hard. He's an old man. <laughs> he looked decrepit, to be honest. But he's also like, he didn't write it, so he's fucking livid, probably, that he... Like, he probably doesn't even know what Netflix is. He, you know, he probably doesn't engage That's with the harsh. internet. My mum's got Netflix. She's in her 60s. Well, how old, how old is he? do you think he is? Let's have a look. He must be mid-70s, I reckon. Do you think? Oh, hang on. 77? Come on. I think you're underestimating 77-year-olds. My great-aunt's got Netflix. I know. I'm, She's in know, her 80s. Look at Noam Chomsky. Look at, like, I mean, not that he's on Twitter or anything. I don't know why I really chose him. Look at David's <laughs> grandma, Pamela, who's 92. Who's, I will look at her. What's she up to? She's so fucking good on WhatsApp. She's the best WhatsApp person. She just drops in these, like, killer sarcastic messages. Does she do the emojis and everything? She does. Does she have, what are they called? Is it Memojis? Where it's, like, you doing different things? No. Me Surely it would be memojis. Yeah, I'm mixing up memes now. <laughs> but uh, That's I me just, being an older millennial. I just feel like he's, like, doesn't really know what Netflix is, isn't, like, isn't going to make any more money from it being popular. He's already been paid, so he's probably like, why the fuck have I got to do but a fucking video? But they'll reissue all of his books now. He doesn't think about these things. Oh my god, he's sometimes known as Jovial Bob Stein. <laughs> that can't be real. <laughs> Nobody would say that. That's a name you've made up for yourself. Jovial Bob Stein, I love it. Jovial Bob. Let's invite Jovial Bob. <laughs> Come 
come on. It's like me calling myself really attractive Heather. Or like, should we invite really attractive Heather? Or is it you? Like, energetic Heather. <laughs> Let's invite energetic Heather. Like, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> Just like deciding what you want to be seen as and then giving yourself that. You can't it's, do it's that. Like, it's like really smart, Kirsty. It's like, that's for other people to, to decide what you're like. <laughs> All right. You ready for the, the meat? The okay. meat of the story. I, you know what? I think we're going to disagree on this film. Why? Because I, I don't, I, I'm feeling different energies. You don't energies. know what I think. I don't, you don't know what I think. Well, I know. That Ever. <laughs> we, kept, we kept it secret. We were on WhatsApp last night being like, I've got shit to say. He's like, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to keep it a surprise. So we don't know what one another thinks of this film. So no. I have thoughts. So we immediately find out that crime-ridden Shadyside is right by the lovely, safe, rich Sunny Vale. Not Sunny Dale from Buffy, <laughs> but Sunny Vale. We meet our main character, Dina, her nerdy little brother, her friends, who I immediately forgot. Please don't make me remember any of their names or what they look like. Because also one of her friends looks just like her. Very similar to her. And at several points I was really confused and the only way I could remember is that her friend usually had a ponytail. Yeah, or they They have slightly different outfits. Yeah, it was quite confusing. Um, There's also a primo 90s playlist, aka my Spotify. Can I fucking talk about the music? Go on. My God. So, like, do you know what diegetic means? Mm-hmm. Do readers and listeners know what diegetic means? Let's explain it. Let's so it's... do some movie crit. What a one. Diegesis is, like, things that occur within the film, right? So it's not, like, overlaid. I like that you're asking me. I don't fucking know what people know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what people know I either. I don't know. So, yeah, if it's diegetic, it's within the world of the film. So, like, the, the characters are experiencing it. So I think that most of this is diegetic music, so they're listening to it too. Well, at this point it isn't, because they're just, like, walking through the school halls and the music's on, but then at another point a character puts headphones on and you're like, okay, so that's diegetic. But also, like, Closer by Nine Inch Nails is, because it's playing in the yes. thing. Anyway. Well, is it? Because it suddenly stops and nobody switches it off. Oh, I don't know then. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Closer by Nine Inch Nails, which made me go, oh my god, they're playing Closer by Nine Inch Nails in a first Street film. Like... That's got the word fuck in it. <laughs> yeah, but this is part of my issue. Is it's, it's not a 90s film. It's 90s nostalgia, which is not the same. Okay. But we'll get there. It's got garbage, only happy when it rains. It's got Portishead. Mm-hmm. I was uh, so stunned that an American Why? production would have Portishead in I it. I think Portishead were big in the US. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I mean, I don't fucking know. I didn't live there. Americans, do you even know who Portishead are? Radiohead, of course. Killing Me Softly by not the Fugees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> White Roberta Town. Black, was it? It might be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was been done by a bunch of people, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Um, White Town, Your Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, again, I think of as really British, but maybe is isn't. Sweet Jane by whoever did it in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Firestar by The Prodigy. And Hey by The Pixies. I love all of those songs. <laughs> they also had... Damn, I wish I was your lover. Oh, yes. What a tune. Like, it's just really good music. It is good music. However. We're really going to disagree. Yeah. (laughs) Many of these songs, because I noted down, like, Garbage Bush, Portishead, Radiohead, Portishead, Radiohead, Damn, I wish I was your lover, Insane in the Membrane, all occur within, like, two minutes. (laughs) So the use of music, I think, is clunky as fuck. It's like someone has taken a 90s playlist, a.k.a my playlist and just put it on random and then being like yeah that'll that's fine we'll have that all right before we go ahead what were you what were you expecting or wanting from this film 
I don't know. <laughs> I just, I tried not to have expectations. I just <laughs> took it as it was. So I was expecting to really not like it. I don't know. Like, I, a lot of, mm, how do I describe this? Maybe I would say that, like, a lot of American teen things I don't really like now. Or, like, things that are revisiting old things. I, my opinion tends to be, just fucking leave it alone and do something else, right? Like, why are we doing... Like, part of me is like, why are we making Fear Street movies at this point? Well, I think why... So, th- I think part of the... For me, the issue is, we're not really the target market. People who actually remember the 90s, I don't think are the target market. I think the target market is the youth now who have, like, a kind of rebooted 90s sensibility. Well, let me shock you by saying that despite that, I fucking really liked it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to what I think. Uh, <laughs> can I also can I say that the people... that It's not just white people. Yeah, but... Okay. Because <laughs> they're trying really hard to make it rebooted. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a first story that had people of colour in it, Kirsty. Yeah. Oh my lord. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> so at school, um, everyone is talking about Sarah Fear, the witch, who's back, apparently. Um, no one seems sad or bothered that nine of their schoolmates just got murdered in one night at the mall, which is kind of weird. The school's think, not that big. I think they do. They're like... No, because they have to go to this memorial, and they're like, mm, memorial, <laughs> and they're just more concerned about their sex lives, really. I just thought it was weird. Surely they must know these kids. I'm just imagining, like, when I was at school, if nine people from my school had died at once, that'd be fucking huge. How big was our school? Not, well, medium big. I don't know how many people were there. We had, like, a thousand. Yeah. I don't know how many people were there. But, like, some some people at our school died. Like, a friend of mine killed herself, another friend drowned, like, my friend's brother died. Like, it was a big deal. Yeah, a kid at our school died. I suppose, yeah, I don't know. That's anyway. a fair point. Uh, so I thought that was a bit weird. Um, all Dina cares about is her ex, Sam, who is apparently this basic dude who she watches groping a cheerleader. But plot twist, Sam is the cheerleader. Lesbians! Lady Sam. <laughs> so It's a lady lesbian. <laughs> they go to this memorial and there's like all this conflict between... The Shady Siders and the Sunny Veilers, which is like really so heavily signposted in the beginning, but like is forgotten for the entire rest of the film. But it was like also like very highly like class implied, like, mm-hmm. but also kind of like race coded as well. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just like smart and fun. Okay. Your face, mate. I truly did not expect that face to happen. I think you had really low expectations of this film. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you had high expectations. I don't know. I didn't have high expectations, but I don't know. I just well, I thought I would care more about it. Anyway, um, <laughs> so this bus of shady ciders runs a car of sunny veilers off the road. But more importantly, Dina and Sam start getting nosebleeds. And Sam has this weird witch vision. I've just realised Dina's nosebleeds never really go anywhere either. Isn't it drugs? She just doesn't do any drugs. Hmm. It's meant to be the witch. So, uh, again, we have some attempts to make it modern, which Heather has touched on. We have some sort of basic level homophobia in that Sam's mom and pals are like, you can't have a girlfriend, that's disgusting. Like, okay then. Um, it doesn't 
feel real. It's like a sort of, they're like both very pretty, able-bodied cis women. Mm -hmm. But like, that's disgusting. Like, okay, come on. Um, I mean, I can think of two, I can think of a couple that we know who are pretty able-bodied cis lesbians who are experiencing that. Yeah, it's not that you can't experience that. I don't know, I just was like, well, you could you could dig a little bit deeper, but okay. Um, Dina's pal is also dealing pills around the school and there are some black people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, there's also some, just to really drive home the robot steinness of it all, we also have more jump scares of someone pulling a duvet off a bed and someone coming around a corner. Thanks. <laughs> just stop. Enough with the jump scares. So, because the car was driven off the road, Sam is in hospital, and Dina visits Sam in the hospital. They have an argument, and then her friend, whose name I can't remember, gets stabbed by a skeleton face. And then there's a sudden escalation of violence, and there's like a dozen stabbings during this chase through a hospital. Dab, 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 sudden dab, dab, sudden sudden ejaculation of violence. You can add that to your bingo card. Sudden escalation of violence. Dina rips off the killer's mask and it's Ryan. But he is dead. Paul Blart Cop shot him. <laughs> how it can be. How, how, how it be. How it be. Well, let's find out. So then they go and they report to the police who are useless, essentially, and don't believe them. Which is good. Which is very point horror. It's not very robot steiny. Yeah. But it's very point horror. Often the police are really useless in point horrors. Yes. And they don't investigate anything and they don't believe the kids but i also felt like it was a nod to current events it was a very clunky and useless nod to current events that goes nowhere yes <laughs> like many <laughs> I think of what, the things I think, in this. This, I think what the difference here is that i have seen this as something is adapted from source material which is dog shit and you've looked at it as a as a like genuine could it film. just be an actual film yeah yeah yeah. So we've we've got wildly different expectations here. I think the thing is, right, I'm like, how does this stack up compared to the books? So I've watched, like, quite a few of these, like, remakes of older horror properties. Mm -hmm. So, like, you probably haven't seen them because I don't think they're your cup of tea, but... So, for example, like, the um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark film, mm -hmm. or the It, the recent It films. No, I haven't watched those. No, I don't... No, I know they're not really your kind of thing, but I've seen them, and... To me, this film is very, very of that type, mm -hmm. which is like, it really strongly reminded me of the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark film, um, which, again, has this kind of like pretty neon colour palette and it's like this sort of racially diverse group of young people and it also some of it doesn't really, like it sort of makes these nods to like diversity or issues but it doesn't quite logically follow through on them. Mm -hmm. um, and it just it just tonally felt really similar, like that you would have this <laughs> scene of like running, running, running from a baddie. Oh, now we're gonna have the the more tender, quiet character moment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I I don't know if the same people were involved or something, but they definitely have like really similar vibes. Yeah. And it seems to just be what's in at the moment. And again, I don't really know if it's actually aimed at people who remembered them first time around I think it's aimed at like young people now which is there's absolutely no problem with that mm -hmm. but I just feel like maybe that's why they never really click with me because they don't right. feel real they feel like a kind of I guess it's like someone who lived through the 50s watching Greece and they're like this is ridiculous see I'm not expecting them to be real no well, at all in fact I don't want it to be not even real but just some kind of 
verisimilitude, as we always talk about when we talk about writing. Like a feel of real. I didn't want that at all. And didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what can you make out of this steaming pile of dog shit that you've been given to adapt? Well, I guess I didn't understand. So I feel like, why set it in the 90s? Why not set it now? It's set in the 90s because the books were published... Well, they were published in the late 80s, but published around then. So well, there's I only one set in the 90s, weird. isn't it? Yeah, only this one. The, and the next one's the 70s. the 70s and the next one's the 1600s. <laughs> which we can kind of see where it's going to go. So I just thought it was a weird choice. Like, why why not set it now? But why set it now? Because it feels like it's set now. But the entire thing is it's a nostalgia trip. But the people, only, aren't go- people aren't going the now. The only thing that's a nostalgia trip is the music. Nothing else is 90s in it. Nothing else no, is but the nostalgic. Th- but it's like a Fear Street story. Like a landline. And the Fear Street is from the 90s. It is, but... It's, you're making... But this... they're actually made in the 90s. But you're... But the... <laughs> but the style, the, the... The... I mean, why do people read these books now? Why do people listen to this podcast? Because it's this, like, very of its time, you know, like, the gender politics are awful. Like, it's got the same feel. Like, I actually thought the beginning of the film was quite different to the end, to the, like, last half, maybe. Mm. And the beginning does have, like, the stupid jump scares and all that kind of thing. And then that kind of goes away. So it's like they've engaged with the source material, the style of storytelling that he did. Because people come to this are fans of R.L. Stein, right? Or they read R.L. Stein 20 years ago. So they want that. Like, they don't want it to be a real... They don't want it to be a real, like, slow build, like talking about issues films they want like an updated version of what they used to enjoy and i think that's what it is see i don't think that's what it is see i, I do I, I can't believe you didn't like it no i thought it was really bland oh i see i was like thought it i thought was it was like absolute shit. actually aggressively bland i thought it was really like just stupid fun i guess i, I watch don't a really lot of stupid... like stupid well, fun. see i watch a lot of stupid fun <laughs> horror films and let me tell you this is not stupid fun this is just it was just boring i don't know it just it didn't I think, like, you read, you read the, the 90s nostalgia books because they're, like, actually 90s, mm-hmm. whereas, like, it You're didn't just 90s feel... purist. I'm not really a purist, because, like, I just think it didn't feel 90s to me. So I'm like, why not just set it now, then? So similarly, like, um, I sometimes come across people in, in writing workshops who really revere, like, a particular era or style of writing, and all they want to do is recreate it now Mm. and I'm just like why though like the older stuff already exists you can take bits from it and use them now Mm. like you can take the fun bits and use them now but why try and like have a foot in both camps well why set anything in the past then (laughs) if you're gonna like (laughs) engage with like what it was like in the past but but this is engaging with what it was like it's teaching what the fear street stories were like I don't think it does. I think it totally does. Okay, anyway. I don't think it does. So, they report to the police they're useless, don't believe them. Uh, Dina steals the cop's gun, which is, again, a sudden escalation. Um, Her pal, whose name I've forgotten again, um, gets razor slashed by this random girl in the street who has a scarred face. And Dina shoots her. I'm pretty sure... Jesus. I'm pretty sure she razor slashes his Achilles heel. Yeah. And then then he runs. He's fine (laughs) running. It's weird, isn't it? Like, she's got a literal razor blade slashing at him. And I was like, well, he's dead. And then the next scene, he was fine? I literally gasped. Like, if someone, like, razors your Achilles, you're fucked. You're not walking. You're not moving. You're not standing up. 
Yeah. And then I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe I missed it. It was a different character. But no, okay, it was him. There was one bit that I liked in this section. So then, you know, they run away and get away from the girl. And she has, like, quite a, a large scar, like, across her cheek from presumably a razor. Um, so then Dina says, who was that? And the pal says, I don't know, she was just a normal girl. And Dina argues, well, when I shot her, she bled black blood. And normal girls don't do that. And then the pal says, well, she was, quote, hot and normal before she started slashing me. And I quite liked that because I was like, Robot Stein would never say a girl with a scarred face was hot and normal. Yeah. He would be like saying it was gross. I think that's what I like about it. Like, we have these characters and like they've, in doing, in taking the source material and like doing it, what I generally thought, you know, we've been talking with our uh, friend group about the Alien series, mm-hmm. um, and the our friend, uh, I'm just gonna say, Julia Armfield, the the very talented writer. Hi, Julia. I don't think you listen. If you do, hi. <laughs> <laughs> she said that the reason she hates Alien Resurrection is that it's like Joss Whedon wants you to like laugh at it, like being on this joke, as if like isn't this whole thing stupid? And it's like, no, we really actually care about the Alien series, and I felt like this was like. It wasn't doing that. It wasn't trying to make you mock the Fear Street series or, like, R.L. Stein. It was, like, taking the piss out of it, but in, like, quite a loving way. But it was also saying, like, isn't it, hot, like, white and straight? So we're going to do the opposite. We're going to make these, like, characters who are, like, lesbians or bisexuals. And we're going to have people of colour. Like, but we can still have the stupid stories that we enjoy. Oh, maybe. I just... To me, the whole film, it was almost like watching... So you know how Scream is like a postmodern horror? So it was like Scream, but not postmodern? Yeah, it was like postmodern Fear Street. Yeah, but it wasn't really postmodern. Well, I mean, how do you define postmodern? It was like, you know, 7% postmodern. Oh, oh, I just realised there was a really good term I came, uh, not came up with. <laughs> Look at me. I didn't, definitely didn't. Have you heard of metamodernism? No, I have not. So, is this going to explain why I don't like this kind of thing? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> but like... You know, we use people use modernism to mean like what's going on now, but it doesn't really. It means like a specific time. So then you've got postmodern, which again is like a specific time, and then there's like metamodernism, which is supposedly what we're in like now, which is like uh, one definition characterizes metamodern. My, oh my god, metamodernism as mediations between aspects of both modernism and postmodernism. So it could also be called like post postmodernism. Mm-hmm. So. I don't think it's being postmodern. Maybe it's being metamodern, where it's like, this is the thing. Here's the postmodern version of that. We're gonna. But like, now we're gonna dial it back from there. We're gonna do something else than that. We. Mm. But so maybe look at me. Look at us doing yeah. a real film podcast. No, as right if now. we know what we're talking about. I guess I've <laughs> discovered, metamodern's not my bag. Then it just feels half-assed to me. It's like. I'm not going to do the thing, but I'm not going to do the Pomo thing either. I definitely didn't think it was, like, a good film. I don't think it was, like, con- tonally consistent. I think you just had such low expectations. Yeah, because I've been steeped in robot style for quite like, some time. I just hope... I just feel like horror is in such a great place right now. I've seen so many incredible horror films. I was like, oh, no, I think this is going to be really good. And then I was like, oh. See, I didn't think it was going to be a good horror film. And it definitely has got that, like, kind of, kind of like, scream energy. Except not as smart. Except it's not doing a new thing. And I don't think it's trying to do a new thing, like... Scream took us somewhere else, didn't it? Took us somewhere mm-hmm. new. And I don't think this is trying to do that. I think it's just trying to give some, like, fun, goofy, like, 
updated take on something that people really enjoyed a long time ago that was inherently quite problematic. Yeah, I guess. I mean, and if people like the Scary Stories to Tell the Dark film or if they like the It remake, yeah. I think they'll like this. Do you know what? It's Actually, really similar. Do you know what I thought a couple of times? I thought of Hot Fuzz. Like, there was... When they're in the mall, especially, and maybe it's uh, sorry the supermarket, mm-hmm. and maybe it's oh yeah, because... I'm going to get to the supermarket bit. That is like one bit that's quite good. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll let you get to that, and then I'll say. Mm-hmm. No, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Okay, anyway, um, yeah, back to the story. So, <laughs> Dina's brother, for some weird reason, has these newspapers. So remember, they've just escaped from the slashy girl who's like slashed his Achilles tendon, but he's fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, he has these newspaper clippings that go back decades about other people who've been doing these weird killings and he thinks it's Sarah Fear, remember the witch, who is possessing people. And I do think, I'll give credit where credit is due, there's a section that I'm going to come to when we start talking about the books in the next episodes, which I haven't decided what to call it yet, like I actually like this bit or a good, a good bit in something that's otherwise not very good, I think. So there's this good We could call scene. it scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yes. So although I think that's harsh in this film, to be fair, the film isn't as bad as many of Robert Stein's books or even most. I would say any. Yeah. Well, okay. So there's quite a good shot where Sam, the girlfriend, the cheerleader girlfriend, um, she's sort of like looking straight into the camera and she confesses that she's has seen the witch mm-hmm. and then the witch's face like flashes onto hers for a second and I do think that's a good shot yeah it was a very effective shot so I'll give credit there so then they go out into the woods and they find Seraphia's bones in a little shallow layer of moss in the woods because apparently nobody has been in the woods for 300 fucking years okay <laughs> <laughs> so then they come up with a theory that the witch is following them in the guise of various undead killers because of Sam she disturbed the bones and they all have Sam's blood on them and the witch hates Sam because of that it seems like a huge leap of logic but okay again welcome to robots (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and then I guess the kind of the murders and the possessions from the newspaper clippings and from the mall are like a separate thing yeah I didn't think that was didn't make a lot of sense. But again, welcome to Robot Stein. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, or, or maybe they also disturbed the bones? In which case, can someone just fucking bury them? The <laughs> next person who disturbs them, don't just leave them in, like, a two-inch layer of moss. <laughs> like, bury them, please. <laughs> anyway, so they all go to the school for some reason. I, I didn't follow why they had decided to do that, but that's what they do. No, I didn't either. They all get half-naked so they can clear off Sam's blood from themselves and then Dina's pal who looks like her kisses Dina's brother which felt weird to me because he's like 14 and she's like 17 yeah it did feel I wasn't but does he did they actually kiss or is it just implied I mean he says like they got to first base which is kissing right or she says like barely first base but I mean admittedly she does say oh you need to help me and she's like standing there in her bra so she's definitely like flirting with him at the least yeah that was a bit like is she definitely 17 I'm just going by how they look. Okay. Like he, maybe, maybe they're actually the same age, but he looks like 14 and she looks about 17. He's made out to be younger and very naive. Yes, like a child, like a kind of nerdy little brother. Yeah. Which felt really weird. Yeah. And also, we have a little bit of lesbian sex, except they keep their bras on. <laughs> I found... Uh, while <laughs> I was awkward. While I was like, that's amazing that we're having lesbian sex in a Fair Street film. 
I thought it was really funny and like just so obvious that they're both straight women because the like titty fondling is the only way I can put it mm-hmm. un- like un- like over the top of bras. <laughs> also, you don't watch enough trash horror films. It is a poor trash horror film that does not have two girls in bras kissing. <laughs> like this is just yet another ticking off the list of horror movie cliches. Yeah. But so. again, you know, you wouldn't get it in an R.L. Stein book. So I guess. I was like, uh, but yeah, I did think it was really funny that they were just like it's just like just get some we'll just keep our brows on it's fine <laughs> okay that's how people have sex okay and also in films why do people always have sex standing up I was just gonna say that why do they do that it's awkward and difficult Am although I just very hot that I, that I almost never have sex standing up it is very hot it's just not that convenient <laughs> most of the time but I think the inconvenience is what makes it hot yeah I don't like to be inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, you really don't. I like to be comfortable, <laughs> especially if I'm going to come. Kirsty will like, only have sex if she's surrounded by like a plethora of pillows. Excuse me, I do not have my pillow fort. Was someone fanning her? <laughs> someone feeding her me grapes. <laughs> David keeps bringing me cherries lately and just putting them in my mouth, which is Aww. actually great. <laughs> I was going to complain. What do you do with the pit? Uh, I spit into his hand. Oh my god, Heather! <laughs> he does it. Heather. He always. I'm like, get me a cup. Or, like, lean out, and he just goes, no, just do it. You're going to be living some BDSM life full-time <laughs> within weeks. If people are going to just take my shit that I don't want to deal with, I'm up for it. You're going to find yourself doing it in a restaurant. You'll eat, you'll put something in your mouth in a restaurant that you don't like, and you'll spit it into David's hand, and it's only when people start looking at you funny that you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's weird. I think we're already those people. Oh, God. <laughs> to be fair, because of the pandemic, I haven't eaten in public with you for over a year so maybe things have changed who knows love that you've changed you have changed (laughs) so then what they do is they because we're following this logic i guess so they set a trap by mopping sam's watered down blood everywhere all over the school which brings the killers to them i thought that was a good bit because they smell it like a shark or something i mean it's fine I enjoyed that. So then they kill some of the killers, but then more come. So Sam decides to sacrifice herself. To be honest, I didn't really care. I don't know anything about her or any of them. <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, bye. Can I, I can't really tell you apart from the other characters. I enjoyed the bit where they like make these trails of her blood past them as well, which was like, <gasps> and then lock them all in the bathroom and then like uh, set the... Like, put some shit on the floor mm-hmm. and they set on fire. So then they, like, the colours all burn inside there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, look, they're using their ingenuity to um, kill some people that need killed. I guess. And then, but also, I thought it was quite a good visual. Here's where the Netflix money comes in. Okay. That you all go in and then they'd all turn into, I think into the like... Netflix money all went on neon lighting. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the rights to these songs. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so they've all, like, exploded and they're just made of, like... It's like uh, a mess of sort of, I guess, like ectoplasm everywhere, but like dark ectoplasm. And then it all comes together mm. in his hand and it just looked a good, it was a good visual. That was quite a good visual. But again, much like the, maybe you should watch Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I would be curious to know what you think. If you enjoyed this, you will enjoy that. Because similarly, like, see all the, the like, baddie designs, the like monster designs? Yeah. Amazing. Like whoever designed those did the prosthetics or the CG incredible mm-hmm. but like you don't really care because like you don't really know anything about the characters and the story is also about an evil witch person maybe maybe here's what has happened i have just sat through alien resurrection oh god <laughs> where not only did i not give a fuck about any so of the you characters, could have watched a film where someone pooped on a bit of paper and you would have been like <laughs> yes genius love it i feel like an alien resurrection it was involved it had 
highly skilled people involved. Sigourney Weaver, Jean-Pierre Junot, Dominique, what's his tits? Winona Ryder. That is his name. And they had a load of money. And they were trying hard. And it looked like fucking shit. I didn't care yeah. anything about it. And they... Like, how like, do you make Winona Ryder bad? How do you make Winona... Joss Whedon! Mm. He did it. He made Winona Ryder he into a whiny it. fucking bitch who everyone hates. Everyone hates her character in that film. And, like, it's just bad. And, again, he's kind of doing that same thing where he's playing on an old franchise that people really enjoyed. Mm. Except, I mean, it's from the 70s. But, like, he's just ruined it. And, like, everyone's ruined it. Whereas I feel like this was just kind of, like... In some parts, well done. The writing, you know, it wasn't consistent. And the plot didn't make a lot of sense. But it was also just quite fun. There were, like, pieces that were really fun. See, I think the difference is... I already watch a lot of trash horror. So to me, <laughs> this felt very reminiscent of a lot of other things, none of which were Fear Street. Right, I see. Okay. So it's it it just feels like yet another of the kind of horror films that have been out in the past couple of years. Maybe I'm just bringing my ignorance of uh, shit. You just watch too much retro- good stuff <laughs> is the problem. You don't watch enough <laughs> shit stuff is the problem. Not that you should watch more shit, but maybe you should. Um, okay, anyway... <clears throat> Uh, Sam doesn't die even though she's decided to sacrifice herself. I, I was unclear why that had happened. I My attention had begun to wane by they this don't. point. So the girl who looked like the other girl was like, <laughs> we've got to sacrifice her. And then she was like, no, she's my lesbian girlfriend. And then they throw her out anyway. And then they come up with a reason that she doesn't have to do that just before the, the, she gets killed. But again, it didn't make a lot of sense. It didn't really. Um, there's also the most ridiculous scene, which I kind of liked for how stupid it was. Bad, which, good, bad, which good. They're, a good, bad scene. Yeah. Where they're all barricaded in this room, which I think is like a janitor's closet. And then the killers are like breaking down the door. And so they phone with a landline this woman who they realise has survived the witch before. But she's not in, so they leave an answer phone message. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like... There's like, the banging on the door, ah, I'm going to kill you, blood, blood, blood. Hello, hi, um, hoping you could give me a call back. <laughs> I kind of like that scene. It was ludicrous. There were some, I think, genuinely really funny bits in it, especially if you're kind of like steeped in, like, the world, like the R.L. Stein. Well, I don't know, some bits were just quite funny on their own and some were funny in the context of things. Not all of it, but there were several points that I like laughed surprised at how like funny I found it mm-hmm. and that was one of them wow I yeah I did think that was a good scene the next bit's actually good as well because then they escape from the school and they go to a grocery store again I kind of lost track of why but that's what they do <laughs> um and I did think this bit was actually funny because like the whole f- maybe first 10 seconds when they're at the grocery store is really good because there's this really really dramatic horror music ba 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 and then there's a shot of this creepy kid cardboard cutout like advertising cereal or something and then there's this long row of photos of Dina's pal employee of the month just like the same <laughs> yeah. photo boom 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 and then there's this massive display of bananas <laughs> and i was like okay quite like that see that was the bit that reminded me of hot fuzz like oh, you yeah. know in in hot fuzz where they've got is it timothy dalton I can't remember. Who's the... Oh, it's not Timothy Dalton. I can't remember his name. I haven't seen Hot Fuzz for years. Oh my God, it's just... It's, it. I found, like, in the editing and a lot of the kind of... The way the shots were done, especially in this section, it had that real Edgar Wright... Um, yeah. Like, energy to it. And, like, there's... a My favourite bit of Hot Fuzz is where the guy who's play plays, like, the supermarket guy like, turns around and he's doing the exact same face as, like, the picture of him behind him. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like, a real satisfying thing. And, yeah, the employee of the month I got. But also, like, 
the tracking shots that are like coming down an aisle and then you meet with the running character as mm-hmm. he comes behind the thing. That was very like hot fuzz. And I just felt like they were really having a lot of fun with the set mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like it's kind of, it is stupid. The whole thing is stupid, but I just thought that was quite fun. Yeah, I think Taken Alone, like if you hadn't watched the rest of the film and you just watched like the kind of 10, 15 minutes of the grocery store bit, it's quite good. And I will say, I think this is the departure where it actually gets quite horrible. Mm. Like before it was kind of goofy and stupid and like, you know, the characters like at the beginning weren't really engaging with the danger really, but I suppose maybe it's trying to say that about kids. They Blind don't... menacing, that's on all. Yeah. Bingo card. Like, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning where she sees the guy outside with a knife and she's just like, you're pathetic. And then it kind of gets real. Like, some really horrible shit happens mm. now. To, like, I, I, you know, it's the sudden escalation of violence, isn't it? I was like, oh, wow, I can't actually believe that just happened to that character. And then I thought later on it'll just be that that didn't happen. But yeah. no, it, it did happen. Yeah, yeah. They died in these horrible ways. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So what they decide to do, because the employee of the month works in the pharmacy, so what they're going to do is get Sam to eat a bunch of pills to then kill her and then bring her back unclear why they think this plan will work. They have no reason to think that this will work. It's because they, the other people before did that. They figure it out. The, the, um, the brother, he is like some sort of like local historian. Mm-hmm. So he Convenient. has all these... All right, Rosie. Okay, I know, Rosie. I know. I, I didn't really like it either. It's okay. <laughs> um, he has, he puts it together what's happened from all these like paper clippings he's got. And he's like, they figure it out somehow that the way they got away from it last time was the person who was, like, the... not possessed, the person who was, like, cursed by the witch had to die. Mm-hmm. So they were like, cool, we'll kill her and then bring her back I to I don't life. really know why they think that the witch would be fooled by, like, you're not dead then. Because you come back again. <laughs> but she dies. Yeah, but then it's she's like not dead. heart stop. And yeah, it I don't, I don't feel like the witch is smarter than that. Anyway, <laughs> so they, they do that. Um... More killers come and menace all the pals, but Sam isn't dying quick enough, so <laughs> Dina drowns her in a lobster tank. And then all the killers disappear and Dina resuscitates her. I really enjoyed a lesbian drowning in a tank that says fish market above it. <laughs> I was like, I see what you're doing and I like it. I like it a lot. See, again, it kind of did feel like the <laughs> grocery store bit was done by someone else. Yeah. Maybe Maybe the <laughs> AD did that bit or something. <laughs> But also, like, there, there's a bit where um, the other girl who looks like um, the main girl, like Dina, they put her head through a fucking meat slicer. Oh, yeah, that's it horrible. It actually happens. I, yeah. I was like, oh, it's a Fear Street book. She'll get... No! She just fucking dies. And then the employee of the month gets, like, killed horribly. People... But again, like... Because there's a kind of epilogue after this, and, like... They don't seem that upset. Yeah, the epilogue is... I'm like... I've got problems with the epilogue. Your two best friends just got really graphically murdered. Mm. And they it's like it didn't happen. No, it is. It's weird. Yeah. I guess it is quite first for you. Also, yeah, exactly, see? Mm. And then, like, but also they, um, they've got, like, a load of EpiPens. That's how they're going to bring her back to life, mm-hmm. which I'm like... Oh. I don't think that's how they work. I don't think it is how they work. And But she does do, like, eight of them into her chest. Mm-hmm. But also, I was screaming, just fucking do CPR. Yeah. <laughs> like, she does start doing CPR. But I'm like, you, one of you could be stabbing her with the pen, and the other one could be clearing her airways of water, getting her onto her side. And then these people have just never been to St. John's Ambulance. Come on, it really no, shows. Clearly. 
However, it really shows. I'm a really big fan of how disgusting she looks when she comes alive again. Like mm. she sits home and vomits out all this water, and it's not like funny vomit. It's like she's got fucking like spit hanging from her face. She's like sweating. She looks absolute. She looks like absolute dog shit. Which also, you would. <laughs> yeah, and then also when um she's taking all the pills. And she starts to, like, overdose. She fucking looks rough. And I'm like, enjoy that as well. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> yeah. So then there's an epilogue, right? So then they all lie to the useless cop about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, which, also, I meant to say, he reminds me of, like, a young cousin of Hugh Grant. <laughs> yeah. He's got, like, Hugh Grant vibes. But, like, younger and, like, a relative. <laughs> of, I wonder if he is. Um, and then the bland lesbians get back together... But then, and they don't seem bothered that their friends have died. Um, but then, Dina, if you were having lesbian sex, you know, it really. I don't know. <laughs> As a teenager, I don't know. I'd be like, whatever's happened, I'll deal with that later. Even then, they're not even <laughs> having sex; they're just lying together on a bed, fully That's clothed, not true. kissing even. Um, but then Dina gets a call. Do you remember she left the answer phone message? <laughs> well, the woman called back. I don't remember Dina giving her her number, but okay, let's just skate over that. <laughs> She found her somehow. Spooky. Um, and she's like, you can't escape the witch. Because she looks around and then Sam has been possessed by the witch. I think yeah, that's I what's think happening. So. Yeah. Um, and so she tries to kill Dina, but then Dina ties her up with the phone cable and vows to bring her back. The end already for the next movie. <laughs> which looks, and there was like then a little preview of the next movie, which is set in the 70s and looks like a massive Friday the 13th ripoff. Right, okay. Which, we'll see. See, I was all ready for the film to be ended. Which we will see, because we're going to do it in this yes. season. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Episode five? Yes. Or six? Five. Five. Mm-hmm. Um, the... I was like, oh, look at that. They're back together, happy. Something will end. And then I just felt like that bit went on a bit long. Like, I liked the phone call, and then I liked the fact that Sam, like, stabbed her. Because I was like, oh, shit, didn't expect that. And then, yeah, the stupid tie up with the phone. You can't tie someone up with a phone cord. Also, it was the longest phone cord in the world. And also, she's, like, rabid, like, full, full, like... Like a zombie. Like, yeah, like, uh, no, like, the exorcist. Yeah. But then, why wouldn't she be able to get out of a fucking phone cable? Like, that just felt a bit stupid. But, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was setting up for, set the up for the next film, one. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, surprisingly, I really anticipated that Heather would hate this, and I would love it. And Always you a surprise. really enjoyed it, and I thought it was fine. Um, like, my thoughts is, these are the, par- <laughs> these are the, these are the my parts. Thoughts my thoughts is thus. <laughs> I didn't even notice I had done that. I'm tired. They're like the Fear Street books in that there's, at least in the early parts, there's loads of jump scares, the characters are paper thin and you don't care about them. And more importantly, it's not set on fucking Fear Street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like most of the Fear Street books but also aren't not set on Fear Street. Fear Street. <laughs> However, the fashion isn't 90s, the dialogue isn't 90s, the tone isn't 90s. In my opinion, who doesn't work in Hollywood and who gives a shit what I think, you can't just chuck a bit of Soundgarden and Cypress Hill around and then be done with it. It didn't remind me of Fear Street or Goosebumps or Point in Horror. Like I said, it reminded me of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark film or, like, the It remake. It reminded me of, like, a lot of other horror films that are around right now, which is fine. I just think if you want something with, like, proper 90s vibes, to me, this isn't it. It's not the worst film ever. It's fine. But it didn't really do what I wanted it to do. I think if you want something that's engaging with 
absolute dog shit sauce material of Fear Street, but I you want it to be done does. better. I, I when, kept when, thinking... When in a Robot Stein book was there ever a fucking witch possession? Mm, I mean, it's not written by him, is it? It's like trying to evoke the spirit and kind of tone and structure of a Fear Street thing. I see. I get they thinking. could simply have looked at our Fear Street bingo card, <laughs> our Robot Stein bingo card. I did keep thinking. I think if we wrote a Fear Street book, it would be like this. Like it, if they'd given us this, we'd have like they'd still be. You'd still want it to be like not an intensely deep or realistic portrayal of life because that's not what the books are and that's not what people like. But about see, them. I don't think we would. I think we would. What you would do if you want to do a, an inversion or a subversion, you set up the original thing, and then you change it. So but that's postmodern. Well, but I guess that's what I wanted. I wanted a postmodern and it wasn't postmodern. Uh, but then that scream. No, but that's different because that kind of consciously comments on it. And you don't think you have to consciously comment on it. You can still subvert it without stepping outside the narrative. So, for example, you know, like, we're always saying in these point horrors, like, there's always the trope of, like, the, the bad boy and you're sort of afraid of him and that's good and sexy. That, like, you would set that up. That, like... <gasps> he's so dangerous and sexy and that makes him all the more attractive but then you would subvert it and you don't have to like step outside the narrative to subvert it you can subvert it within the narrative and I guess I wanted it to do that but then there's no point me complaining that's not exactly what I wanted it to be <laughs> like I'm just saying it's not what I wanted it to see, be see I wanted nothing I didn't want it and I found that <laughs> weirdly I quite enjoyed it you were like it wasn't just a two hour blank screen so bonus I didn't like there were genuinely funny bits it evoked a lot of what I think of Fear Street, like Fear Street is, that I genuinely usually hate and made it so I don't hate it. I thought that acting was like quite good for something that I expected to be quite low budget and like hammy. I mean, it's Netflix. It wasn't going to be low budget. Yeah, true, I guess. Like, I like interracial lesbian couple. I thought like, you know, you just never get that in Fear Street. So I think it's like still, I know it's not like, I mean, you it's see better than things. not having it, but I just... I want, I want more. <laughs> there must be more than this provincial life. <laughs> Can I tell you my Parry's favourite line? Mm-hmm. This internet bullshit is potentially exactly why you have no friends. <laughs> like, I thought there was just good, funny, like, bits like that, you but know? Also, commit to it. This internet bullshit is why you have no friends. Not potentially exactly. You see, I thought that was really funny. Oh. It's like, I don't know, that's just a good bit. I thought the relationships were quite nice as well. Like... I like the idea that, you know, the, like, racial tensions there as well. Essentially, this, like, black lesbian is, like, what the fuck are you doing trying to get, like, accepted by this, like, white heteronormative culture because you think it's better off than living, like, where we live, which is really deprived. That's like, weirdly never returned to. It's, like, it did feel like the first half of the film and the second half of the film were, like, two separate films. Different. Yeah. yeah. But, well, that's us then. Yeah. Who knows? We can never... You can never know, can you? You can never predict... Say that we can't be predictable, I would say. <laughs> surely, surely we aren't. And yet, there's so much that is very predictable <laughs> about us. Um, so that was the film. Uh, let us know what you think, mm. pals. Um, how did you feel about this? Is the first time we should have said the first time we've done a, a film, no, a not a book, yeah, despite you on having podcast. you pushing it. I've suggested it a thousand <laughs> times and then never followed through, which is very me. Um, I should have so just yeah. said yes because it's a lot easier than reading the book. It was fun as well. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, let us know what you think. Like, did you enjoy it? We could do like, well, we're going to do the other Fair Street films, but like, potentially we could do other films. Yeah. We could do. Someone sent us, um, was there not a Fair Street 
TV show pilot on oh YouTube that somebody sent yeah. us. I think we're going to do it on, a, on the Patreon, yeah, won't we? Yeah, let's do that on the Patreon, yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, so next week we are doing the first ever Fear Street book. For once we're actually going in order. Um, we're going to skip a couple because it turns out we usually do things out of order and we've done a few of the Fear Street books on the Patreon already. So if you want the full compliment then you have to join to hear those no one wants the full compliment <laughs> <laughs> so in the next week on the regular episodes we're going to do the new girl mm. and until then do you want to tell us about the patreon i will tell in you in case people do want the full compliment yes uh, if you do want the full compliment what's wrong with you but also <laughs> you can go to patreon.com slash teenage queen podcast and by becoming a meatloaf uh level patreon which is basically the only one apart from the nice friend one. You, you <laughs> can just like a dollar. chuck us a quid. <laughs> yeah, if you, you if you want to chuck us more than a quid, um, you get a bonus episode every month. You get a pin badge, uh, but also you get access to like all of the old ones. Yeah, I think there's like thirty now. And you keep us in gin and uh, coffee. Yeah, which we really need. Both of which are necessary to get through <laughs> for this. <laughs> all the all the t- the um not the teenage screams the Fear Street books that we're going to be reading. Oh my god, in teenage the next three months books. <gasps> And then you can also find us on Twitter at Teenage Scream underscore and Patreon. Not Patreon. Oh my God. Instagram. I think I do need a coffee on Instagram <laughs> at Teenage Scream Pod. Tell us uh, what you think of the film. Yeah. Really do. Yeah. And thanks, I guess. But is that it? <laughs> Will we, we say watch the film? Watch the film. We're a bit rusty. Yeah. We're a bit rusty. What do we is usually that do at the end? Off? Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Bye. Bye. Thank you.